Hello, class. Good to see you guys. Welcome to Fishing um, Discipleship uh, 101. Good to see you guys. I know you guys are excited to be here in uh, Fishing uh, Discipleship 101. Um, I see some of you guys brought your textbooks. Good job. And some of you didn't. Slacker. I see you. So if you have your textbook, your Bible, you go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 5. And if you have it, you can go ahead and stand up with me. We're going to read from Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Also, I still hear some, some pages turning. Good, we've got real Bibles in here. Awesome. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put, a little, to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. You may be seated. So obviously, I came dressed for the occasion. Some of you guys didn't. But today, we'll actually be going over seven lessons, seven lessons in fishing. I mean, discipleship. So before we go any further, um, just when you hear the word disciple, it just simply means a learner. And discipleship means the process of learning. And so our first lesson, got my handy dandy fishing pole. First lesson in fishing. When you have your pole all ready to go, you want to bait the hook. So the first lesson is baiting. Baiting. I see some surprised faces. Let's go back to the word. Verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Man, what was happening? People are pressing in on Jesus because he is sharing the word of God. And if you read a couple verses earlier, it's clear that it's the good news that he's preaching. So what is Jesus doing? He's simply sharing the gospel with the crowd. And they're pressing in on him. So Jesus is doing evangelism. Evangelism. Baiting, evangelism, baiting, evangelism. 
he's getting to the crowd. And I know some of you guys are maybe scared to, like, touch worms or, like, touch um, jigs or anything like that, put it on the hook. And similarly, it can be just like that when we're sharing the gospel. We can be a little scared to put the bait out there. And just like bait, and there's a variety of ways to share the gospel. So I don't want you to get caught up on, on that. But more, but more importantly, look what Jesus does. He's about to do something. We need to provide opportunities for the gospel to actually be shared. Let's listen. Verse 2 and 3. He saw two boats by the lake by the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Jesus repositioned himself so that the message could be a little clearer. They're pressing in on him. Everybody can't hear, so I need to get some space. Hey, Peter, you're not doing nothing. Hey, push me back out so I can get to these people. Jesus has a burden for these people. He wants the bait to go out, sharing the gospel, the good news. Y'all want some good fish, right? Got to have some good news. First lesson, baiting. So the question is, are you willing to put the bait out there? And if the bait isn't working, are you willing to reposition yourself? Maybe it's not working right here. Maybe it's working over here. Maybe it's not the worms today. Maybe it's the jigs. Maybe it's not a gospel track. Maybe it's me sharing my testimony. The gospel can be shared in a variety of ways. Let's not put it in a box or a pail. So the discipleship of other people can never happen without gospel sharing in our natural spheres of influence. Baiting was the first lesson. And then our second lesson is proximity. 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 What do I mean by that? Let's look back at verse 1 through 3. The great fisherman, our great teacher, Jesus, starts at Lake Gennesaret a.k.a. the the Sea of Galilee, a.k.a. his backyard. So Jesus was cool. He had a lake in his backyard. It's only about 30 miles away from Nazareth. And so Jesus starts right in his hood. It's a good lesson, proximity. I don't need to go too far to share the gospel. There's people right in my sphere of influence that need it. And I know right now you guys can probably think of coworkers, Classmates, roommates, teammates that you haven't shared the gospel with. I just want to urge you, they're there for a reason. They've been placed in your life for a reason. Jesus knew this. He's like, they're in my proximity. I need to draw close to them. Which brings me to my second point in proximity. Let's look at Verse 4 and 5. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. So Jesus was not only positioning himself better for the crowd to hear, he was repositioning himself for Peter. Are we willing to do that? Gospel proclamation, gospel sharing definitely starts kind of broad, but then he focuses attention towards Peter. Peter, thank you for, for helping me put my boat to the crowds, but now my attention is turned towards you. Interesting conversation. Peter has with, with Jesus. Peter, don't you, or Jesus, don't you know that we've been here all night. I'm a fisherman, Jesus. You're not. You're a carpenter. You're telling me now how to fish. Interesting. Interesting. But I'll do as you say. You did just heal my mother a couple verses ago. I'll do as you say. And so, What Jesus does is closes in on the proximity between him and Peter. How does he do that? Man, I know you're a fisherman. I know it. And I know you've been struggling all night. That doesn't happen unless you're in close proximity to somebody. Jesus has a relationship with Peter. How are we doing building our relationships? Do we know the struggles that they're going through? Can we have the hard conversations with with people just like Jesus did with Peter? I encourage us, we have to draw close to people. We need to build relationships, deep ones. Deep enough, they'll push your boat so you can speak. Proximity. Proximity. In proximity, not only can hard conversations happen, teaching can happen, love can happen, service can happen. Can happen without relationship. It's hard to serve someone you don't know. It's hard to love somebody you don't know. It's hard to really engage if you don't know where they've been. Jesus knows, so he can have this, because he has close proximity with Peter And so once we've baited our hooks, once we've drawn close to Peter, like Jesus did, we move into our third lesson. Now we can actually catch fish. This is the exciting part. This is the exciting part, the catching of fish. This is why we signed up for the class, I know. So we're getting there. So let's look back at verse 6. And when they had done this, They enclosed a large number of fish, and the nets were breaking. I don't know about you guys. I remember when I first caught my, I caught my first fish. Fish. Uh, I think I'm about, I think like six or seven. My grandmother's here, and she knows my granddad loves to fish. So he would take me out. My main job was to supply soda and make sandwiches. 
That was my number one job. You don't get close to the edge. You, no, 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 you're not fishing. So I built up some bravery, like, I'm a fish over here, man. I got this, this pole thing. And then, like, something bites my own snaps. I don't know. Reeling it in, reeling it in. Guess what it is? A snapping turtle. Snapping turtle. So my first catch of a fish wasn't even a fish. But I caught something. And if you ever caught something, you know it's a scary time. Especially if it's a snapping turtle. But if you just caught, like, a slippery fish... Oh, man, now you got to, like, take it off and stuff. You got to, like, touch it. It's, like, flapping. You got to, like, water's everywhere. It's dirty. So I know catching's the exciting part, but there's some messiness to it as well. It can be joyous. It can be exciting. It can be scary. It can be stressful, especially if it's a big fish. Man, just thinking back to the snapping turtle, just, oh, my gosh. So... Two years ago, two years ago, two years ago, uh, me and my coworker, we work at Robert Morris University, and we work primarily with athletes and coaches there. And there was no open door to get into this university to speak with athletes. So I believe probably for a solid like six months, maybe the, the whole year, we're just walking around the building just praying. Just walking, praying. Just walking and praying. Walking and praying. God, help us to run into somebody. Walking and praying. Walking and praying. We were trying to build relationships. We wanted to share the gospel. The eagerness was there. Fish weren't, though. Second year there, we start to find some, some freshmen, some new fish, latch on to them, probably... I think, it was, I think it was maybe six, five to six guys that we, like, ended up sharing the gospel with. They gave their lives to Christ. They wanted to be dedicated to, like, reaching their team. And sometimes, as you guys know, fishing requires some patience. It takes some patience to be building into relationships. It takes some patience to gain trust, to earn trust. We're talking about catching, and so eventually, two years, we caught some fish, six approximately, and we began this discipleship relationships. And so for you guys and myself, as we're in our natural sphere of influence, and we need to keep having these spiritual conversations, keep trying to press past the surface if we want to catch fish, if we want to see God do something that we couldn't have done by ourselves. Peter, you tried by yourself. You did it all day and night. How many did you catch? Zero. But now you've listened to me. Now you have some fish. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys, like, with the the Robert Morris story is that, man, God is true to his word when he says he's placed eternity on men's hearts. That is a real thing. There's another verse that says that all men are crawling their way towards God because he set the boundaries and places for them to feel their way 
towards him. Even though fishing can be hard sometimes, and it's hard to be patient, just know, man, that God is at work. God is at work. It took two years for us to see something. And here we have, in this example, it only took a day, and the boat started sinking. So Jesus is a pretty good fisherman. And quickly, after catching, we realize the fourth lesson. The fourth lesson is partnership. Partnership. It's going to take partnership in discipleship. Let's read verse 7. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Peter couldn't even, first of all, right, we have Peter doing nothing. Did everything the night before, couldn't catch anything. Now all of a sudden he has all the fish and he can't even bring it in by himself. Now he needs help. Going back to the Robert Morris story, we started off with six guys. We're here a a year later. We're here in this third year. By investing in those guys day or week after week after week, right now, each one of those guys, those six guys plus four, are leading a group of 10 others on their team. If you do the math real quick, uh, each six, six times 10. It just went from six to 60 that fast. We're going to need some help. We're going to need some help. And how do we do that? And those six, like four, so 10, those 10 guys are now leading others. So me and my coworker, we can't do it all. We can't reach this entire football team. What do we have to do? Man, we need help. We need your help. And so that's what the guys on the football team, they took that challenge. Those freshmen are now juniors now. They took that challenge, and they're leading others on their team. It was a partnership. It was a partnership. We started helping bringing in the fish. Man, we need more. We need more help. We need more help. And as you're engaging in spiritual conversations, as you're engaging in investing in somebody, sorry to break it to you, you can't do it by yourself. You can't disciple somebody all alone. You and I need help. This is why we have the body of Christ. This is why we have local churches. This is why we have justice organizations, mercy organizations, all types of things that help disciple somebody. Teachers, coaches, all types of things go into this pot of discipleship. You certainly play a role, an important role. Thank you. But you can't do it all alone. There are strengths and weaknesses in you that can be complemented by everybody else in this room. Discipleship cannot be done alone because God is bringing in abundance these fish. God himself said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We're going to have to do this together. We're going to need partnership. I just think of this this next lesson that Jesus begins to teach us. So after partnership, we hit our fifth lesson. 
hitting a snag. Have you ever been fishing? Told you my fishing story. Catching snapping turtles. Probably the next four times I thought I caught something, it was just a rock. You just get stuck. You just, oh, man, this is heavy. Help. Hey, come help. And it's just stuck in, under a rock, under some grass. It's just stuck. And you have to go through, like, the embarrassing process of, like, somebody cutting your wire, and you have to restart the whole process again. Let's listen in on this snag. Verse 8 and 9, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with me were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. So at first, this, this seems a little strange and random. Like, Peter, we just caught a ton of fish with Jesus' help. Shouldn't we be celebrating? You would think Jesus just saved his job. The proper response would be like, hey, don't tell nobody about this. Jesus is about to come work for us. He's about to get paid on the side. This is about to be our top fisherman. If we were like in America, right? Like this is our, we're trying to capitalize on this. Jesus is turning this money fast. So we need him on our team. But then he's, he, says, he says this statement, And, and suddenly, he becomes aware of the spiritual aspect that Jesus has been trying to teach him this whole time. I think it just dawns on him, wait, I don't think this is about fish. Peter finally gets it. Jesus does this miracle of catching fish because I need to see that he's really about something bigger than fish. Fish is just a representation of men and God's kingdom, and he's coming for them, and he wants me to play a part in this. Oh, snaps. You want me to play a part in this, Jesus? Oh, uh, man, I'm sinful. I mess up. I can't be trusted. Like, just so many things. I, I can just sympathize with Peter. I remember when I hit this snag, I was a junior um, at Long Beach State, and I was starting my residential assistant. Shout out to all the RAs that are here at Northwestern. I was starting that, and I had just come out of a church split, um, and I was just in a fog. I was just rebelling and doing my own thing, and day one of the job, I have a co-RA, and she came from a Catholic background, and she had just come to Christ probably, I think, like that month prior. And she had, like, she had like heard of me, that like I was a Christian. And she comes up to me, she's like, Lance, just, just tell me, like, more about Christ. And I'm like, that's the last thing I want to talk about. Like, you don't know what I've been through. Like, like, I am just, like, stuck in sin right now. Like, please don't talk to me. This is what Peter is realizing. Like, this is a holy calling to be invested in someone else's life, to teach them about Christ, to catch men. 
and suddenly a realization that, like, this is too lofty for me. This is too holy for me. I'm sinful. Get away from me. I just want to go back to fishing. I just wanted to be an RA. So personally, we'll feel scared or intimidated by the responsibility or just simply inadequate. But then Jesus speaks. This is my favorite part. This brings us to lesson six in fishing. Encouragement. Encouragement. Verse 10, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Jesus doesn't respond with judgment, doesn't respond with condemnation, doesn't even affirm his sinfulness. Like, oh yeah, Peter, you're right, yeah, you're right. (laughs) No, he sees something greater in Peter. He sees something that Peter doesn't see yet. And that's the same thing that happened in this story of me um, as being an RA. Jesse was like, I don't care what you've been through. I just want to know about Christ. This has nothing to do with you. See, Peter had been making it about himself. He had missed the higher, grander calling. It's not about you, Peter. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about you, Lance. It's about the kingdom of God. Get over yourself. Don't be afraid. He reminds him of the mission. He reminds him of his purpose. That's encouragement probably two ways for us. We may be struggling. We may be confused or lost or dazed or like, man, what am I supposed to do with life? We just need to hear our purpose again. Jesus reminds him, you have an eternal purpose. You're about to be a catcher of men. What you were doing is just a microcosm for what's really about to happen. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then in the Great Commission, in I think Matthew 28, at the end of it, there's good reason to not be afraid. Jesus says, I am with you to the end of the age. The same Jesus who said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. If you're going about catching of men, Jesus is with you. You have no reason to be afraid. So I played some middle school basketball in my time. I was in a championship game, and... uh, Got, this is uh, in overtime, the first overtime. You get fouled at the free throw line. Nobody's there because when you, like, get fouled and <laughs> at the end of the game, all the people leave, and it's just you at the free throw line. I make two, we win this game. Make one, we go to another overtime. What I do? Naturally step up there. Miss the first one. <laughs> all the pressure's on this one. Make the second one. We go to overtime, double overtime, and then we lose in double overtime. 
And I just remember that sick feeling at the end of the game, like, man, I had a chance to win this game. And I just remember my mom, after the game, just telling me, like, Lance, don't worry. When you get to high school, you'll win a lot of championships. And to tell that to a, what, 13, 12-year-old Lance, it's like, mom, you don't get it. Like, I just cost us the game. And all this is like my life right now. But she was encouraging me with a better future. Like, I know you're stuck right now, but, like, there's a bigger, bigger dream for you. Bigger dream for you. That's what Jesus is doing here with Peter, reminding him of this bigger dream. And so it moves us to this last lesson, commitment, commitment. Verse 11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Plot twist, this is not going to be about the disciples or the four guys following Jesus. This commitment says more about Jesus than it does about the people that followed him. Why? Because if you know the rest of the story, for the next three years, the disciples' commitment to Jesus is shaky at best. But his commitment to them is solid. They left everything and followed him. He left even more and invested and pursued them. He left heaven to invest in them. His commitment is eternal. And he's challenging us to the same thing. As we're in discipleship, invested in people's lives, man, will we be committed to them even in the ugliness, even in the messiness, even when it's hard? You'll have great days. I see some of the people that I'm invested here with. And I love them. But man, it can be hard some days. Will you be committed to that? Jesus was committed. The Bible says, man, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in us. We can be committed. Will you be committed? So the great fisherman, to summarize, has taught us lessons in evangelism, proximity, catching, partnership, hitting snags, (laughs) encouragement, and commitment. I'll close (laughs) with that. But before um, I close in prayer, I just want to talk to some people in the room that I know discipleship and this next step of investing in others is probably not where you're at. If you're a Christian, you're there. You just got to be doing it. But there's some people in here who aren't. So just like how Jesus encouraged Peter to see something greater in him, I want to encourage you. If you're not following after Christ, if you haven't confessed that he is Lord and believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and there's a greater, greater, greater purpose for you. Greater purpose for you. There's so much in God that he wants to give you through Christ. He sees what heaven is like. 
He sees what abundant life is about. Because if you're honest with yourself, you're probably empty inside. And you can feel this path of destruction, self-destruction. And God wants to prevent that. He says, man, I sent my son for you, that you may have life and have it everlasting. Would you pray with me? Father, you were the great fisherman. You sent your son who voluntarily gave his life on behalf of us. God, you didn't stop there. You rose from the dead. I thank you for that. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that that provides opportunity to everyone in here to place our faith in you, to trust you for eternal salvation. God, I pray for those who haven't done that yet. God, would this be the day of salvation for them? Holy Spirit, would you move in their hearts to make these words true? Would you bring life? And Father, for us who have been stagnant in our faith, who feel like discipleship is for super Christians or for the apostles, God, would you bring conviction to our hearts right now to be invested with the people you have intentionally placed in our lives. God, help us to be proclaimers of the gospel. Help us to be looking for opportunities to go below the surface, to dig into other people's spiritual lives. Give us boldness. Give us courage. Thank you that you have promised that you will be with us if we do that. God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.